Hey, Zeke. See? Did you know that today's show is sponsored by CastCartel.com? Maybe. When you're sitting at home at night and it's late, and the liquor store is closed, you're bored, you're on the couch, you're like, I'm all out of my Wheatley vodka or I'm all out of my gin. You got to get more. Or maybe it's your whiskey. Whatever it is, CastCartel.com will get it shipped right to your door. They have some store picks, even though it's not a lot. There's some breaking bourbon picks on there. This is not going to be the place you go to get crazy bourbon and crazy whiskey. But if you want some good daily drinkers, be it bourbon, be it gin, be it vodka, tequila, mezcal, whatever it is, go to CastCartel.com. They are changing the industry standard. They're like the Amazon of the spirits industry. You know what that means, Zeke? I know what Amazon is. So you know how Amazon is not the one who's actually doing the selling? They're kind of getting stores. They're a place to bring stores together with the consumer. I mean, I hit this pay button on the Amazon.com. Yeah, it goes through Amazon, but there is another store that is actually fulfilling that order. Okay, yes. So that's what Cast Cartel does. So that you can sit on the couch with one hand and order your liquor. One hand, you say? Yeah. Cascartel.com. Follow them on Instagram, cascartel.com, or also follow them on Facebook. Another thing I have to tell you before we start the show, it's a secret. You got a lot on your forehead today. Why? Well, you just keep telling me stuff. But it is a secret, and the secret is out. If you are a distillery, you probably already know the secret. Distilleryproducts.com has the best prices and selection around for your engraved laser etched glass needs they have all your glen karens they are the only place in america that is a wholesaler where you can get the neat glass they have the tua glass and that is an irish whiskey tasting glass it's a total secret the people that knew about them the way that i found out about them was distilleries and they have great wholesale products that you can engrave. That's what we use for all of our glasses on the show, distilleryproducts.com. They have flasks, glasses, all sorts of cool stuff. If you want to put a brand on it or a logo on it, if you are a bourbon group, if you are a store, if you are a distillery, you are missing the boat if you are not using distilleryproducts.com. And we thank them for providing all of our glassware on Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Might be a tough move with the uh, the Tua glass here in the South. Is that like a football reference? Yeah, Alabama's quarterback. He goes by the name of Tua. Well, I have Threa. Well, Kentucky's Threa ain't going to beat Alabama and Tua. No. Distilleryproducts.com. Check them out. Hi, and welcome to Delicious Dish. This year, we're getting ahead of our Christmas season. Megan... What do you suggest I should have? Well, John, this year I was introduced to these amazing balls. (laughs) Really? And what are they like? They're sausage, so they're a little salty, but they're also a little odd shaped. I don't know how they did that on SNL. I don't know either. I've watched it like countless times. And I mean, the look on their face, like they look like they're constipated. (laughs) (laughs) Because like they're trying so hard. And Alec Baldwin's so great. I I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Oh man. All right. Let's talk about whiskey. everyone my name is john edwards and i am san zeke baker but together we make the dad's drinking bourbon wherever you are whatever time it is thank you for making us a part of your day and it is a great day here at dad's drinking bourbon because this is something i feel like we've had in the works for a couple of years and it's never really been one of those things that it was always like hey if you come down to memphis We'll get this done. And then she has come up and been at the whiskey house, and we missed her when she was there. We have the one, the only, Alex Castle, master distiller at Old Dominic in Memphis, Tennessee. And we also have the program manager extraordinaire, Megan Bridges, who was not expecting to be on the podcast tonight. 
We were sitting here as we normally do in the first hour of the show and realized that, you know what, Megan is funny as hell. And we have to put a microphone here because we would be remiss. We we would lose out, Megan, if we didn't have you here. Thank you. But say hello, Alex and Megan. It is so great to have you here. I'm very happy that we were finally able to get this done. I'm happy we were able to make it happen, too. Like you said, it's definitely been a couple years in the making, I think. But we have reviewed your whiskey over the time. And it's great. I'm so happy you brought some more. (laughs) We have a car full, maybe? That's... Absolutely, a car full. Just literally, for, just for two days, forty-eight hours. Well, if you need, like, I don't want to weigh down. <laughs> you know, you get better gas mileage if if the car weighs less. Exactly. So if you need me to hold some of it <laughs> for when you guys come back again. Well, yes, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about Old Dominic. I mean, we know that it was made in Memphis. We know that right now you're doing MGP. Mm-hmm. It is Dominico Canali. And in 1866, he had the spirits arrived by the rail. I am kind of reading the back of the yes, label. Yes, you are. That's our story right there. That's how Polling Station came to be. Tell me a little bit about how the distillery came to be and, and how you guys ended up first doing this uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, so the story of Old Dominic kind of was put on pause at Prohibition. And in 2013, the current president, Chris Canale Jr., decided we needed to get back into Memphis. They kind of had lost all of their Memphis businesses and had moved out of it. And they came across a couple bottles of Old Dominic whiskey as well as the Dominic toddy. And someone said, you know, you really sell that brand. People want whiskey brands right now. Sell it. And he thought about it for a minute and realized, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring Old Dominic back to Memphis. This is going to be my legacy. It's what I'm going to leave my kids with. And so... Could he actually sell it at that point? Not to interrupt you. He probably could have. Just as a brand name, because it, you know... 2013, that's when all of these whiskey brands were trying to take off. People were looking for names to throw in a bottle. He would have had to like trademark it or something. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. It's like all those people that go on like GoDaddy and buy up. Uh, All the domain names, yep. So he decided to do it. And really, I think he started just wanting to buy from someone like MGP and just do a private label. And somewhere along the lines, it snowballed. It just snowballed at a rapid rate to where we ended up with a just fully operational distillery in downtown Memphis with the idea of being mainly whiskey, but we also specialize in vodkas, about to release a gin, just came up with the entire bar program. Uh, Yeah, you stopped at gin, yeah. (laughs) I do love some gin. Vodka, I don't get any flavor, but that's the point. Yes, (laughs) that is the point. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the peanut gallery. (laughs) Thank you. That's a no shit moment. (laughs) This is my first time. You know, I didn't. I I wasn't sure how PC. (laughs) No, I like. I I, we just say don't say the f word, but but you were saying you you guys have some vodka, you have some gin, Mm -hmm. you have the toddy. What else? Um, so we do have three whiskeys that we do produce in-house, the oldest of which is only two and a half years at this point. My goal personally is to see them to at least four years, if not longer. Um, very much taste it. It will tell you when it's ready. And so far, I'm fortunate. The owners seem to be in agreement to let me do that. But that's your whiskey. That's Our whiskey, not yep. MGP, right? Correct. Yeah. So in-house, we actually produce a Tennessee whiskey, a high rye bourbon, and then also a wheat whiskey. Sometimes wheat can take a little bit longer. To it does. Just- My experience is it's going to take, whereas the bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, I'm saying at least four years. Yeah. I think it should be pretty good at that point. The wheat, I just have earmarked for at least five years. I think that's fair. You know, we, we know, and maybe. Yeah, you need to come down. It's a fun city. some of these early. Absolutely. And, and see. Come on down. Because it's actually, you know, that's one of the, the bottles we did bring you today was a special release to honor Memphis's bicentennial year. And you got one of those bottles, which so you didn't actually, even know that you were going to get one of those bottles. Well, no, either. I knew I was going to get one. No one else in the company knew. So we did 200 bottles to honor 200 Memphians. 
And the owner, Chris, came to me and said, do we have any additional whiskey to do, pri- you know, do labels for each of our employees? And so everyone, Megan included, myself, we all actually got our own personalized bottles with our names and a nice little toast on the back commemorating our time with Old Dominic. That is awesome. It, no one knew it was coming, and that was a fantastic day to give those out. And you had to know because you... I had to bottle them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you and, had to put a and label proof, on And proofread the labels. <laughs> Tears were shed that day. They it were. It was beautiful. They were. It was, yeah, it was really special. Yeah. Did they give any gifts with it? Like any seasonal candy there was food right there was food actually (laughs) like i feel like that would be a great time to give some commemorative uh salty chocolate balls with well we didn't have salty chocolate balls but we did have some smoked salty meats (laughs) (laughs) it's so uh, we're gonna go back to it like 18 times I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. That's why we gave her a microphone. (laughs) I do love her delivery, though, because she's like, yes, many tears were shed. Everyone was. Try working with her every day. (laughs) This is is normal. (laughs) But it's great. I think it's one of those things where you guys came in and it was immediately, we all kind of know the similar circles and we all know similar people, but... I no lie feel like I've known you guys for years and mm-hmm. we've just been hanging out for an hour. Absolutely. Um, you're you're the type of people where it's like, I want to go work at Old Dominic yes. right now. <laughs> we have we have room. We're growing. So come on. We're and, we're fortunate. We're part of a team where people want to be there. We want to be the in the industry, which is why we get to have fun every single day. And what got both of you into the industry to begin with? Because I think more so then old Dominic, it's like you both have pretty compelling stories as well. What what got you going to be a distiller? Did you have a, a chemistry background? Is that where it all came from? Or I was 15 when I decided to do this. Really? <laughs> I, was, I was in high school, had a midlife crisis at the age of 15. Wasn't sure what I was going to do. And my mom suggested chemical engineering because I fell in love with chemistry and physics and all the nerdy stuff. And uh I said, okay, that sounds that sounds right, but what do you do with it? And my mom, who has only ever consumed like margaritas, <laughs> said, said, you can be a brewmaster and make beer, or you can be a master distiller and make bourbon. And I thought, shoot, I'm done. That's that's it. So from that point on, that's that that was my trajectory, and managed to make it happen when I was in college. So did you start reading books? When when you were fifteen, like so, we would. Um, this is of course before whiskey was huge in the states, really, and so whiskey magazine out of Scotland existed, but not many bookstores carried it. So I remember riding around in Cincinnati because that's where I'm from with my mom on weekends, trying to locate the latest issue of whiskey magazine because that was the only connection to the industry I could find. It's funny because, like, Lee over at Leaper's Fork, he talks about the Foxfire book. And that's the thing that got him in. There was a, a, I don't know if you know the Foxfire books. I don't. There's a chapter, and it's these books of things that all Southerners should know. And there was a thing about moonshining. And that's what kind of got the distilling bug in on him. And, there were random books here and there that would probably say something about moonshining. Now I feel like, and we are all of similar ages, this would not have been around when we were younger. And now I feel like you can go into a bookstore if you can find a bookstore. You know, home distilling. I love the Kings County book, uh, The Guide to Urban Moonshining. Okay. And the whole thing in the beginning is like, you could blow people up, so please don't do this in your house. <laughs> One of the first books I bought after I got into the industry, I was being tasked with giving a tour. I'm like, oh, man, I only know this from the technical side. I need to make sure I can speak to it on a more basic level. And so I legitimately went to Barnes & Noble and bought Distilling for Dummies. That was my go-to when I first started out was a for dummies book. <laughs> and and that was more just because you think of it in things that end in I'd 
everybody else kind of looks at it and it's like, well, this is where it's distilled. This is a still steam rises. Yeah. They don't want to hear it from a chemical engineer. They don't want all of the, Oh, this is the stripping section and the rectifying section. No, it's just, this is where the alcohol comes out. That makes sense. And so that's why I wanted that book was so that I could step away from an engineering perspective and know how to really speak to pretty much anyone about the process. Do you feel like it is as the distiller, you know, there's been advancements in technology and all sorts of stuff like that. Is it still as intricate as it was before for you? Or is there automation there that kind of assists so that you could almost distill for dummies? Cause you know, you have to do certain things and push a button and then you're good. So considering my first um, distillery, the steam was controlled by an actual just valve on the platform to where you just stood there and you just opened or closed it based on what it was doing. Um, But then I worked for Wild Turkey and now Old Dominic, both of which are automated to where we are sitting at a computer and just watching what the steam does and we're able to control it from that. Now you still have to understand what's happening. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people think, like, my friend actually does media. Uh, He used to be a newspaper guy, and then he went off to do all this media stuff. And he did a video with Wild Turkey, and it was with Eddie, about how they use all computers. And I think anybody who spends time, you know, with Jimmy and Eddie don't think they use computers. But then there's this shot of Eddie... And all these, like, it's it's a room just... The control room had um, six monitors on the desk itself, plus, I think, three up high for cameras. I felt like they were either, like, (laughs) on a ship... It was a NASA command center. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, you kind of looked at it, and I was like, holy shit, where was that at Wild Turkey? I've (laughs) never seen that at Wild Turkey. And, like, Eddie knows what a computer is? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how often I saw him or Jimmy at the computer. I think they they kind of just stood at the back and said, make sure you're doing it right. I think Bruce uh, would, would go over to the computer. <laughs> Bruce maybe. is a little bit, I think, more comfortable in that environment. But that had to have been that story there to spend time at Wild Turkey and, and learn stuff there. I mean, what's the biggest things that, that you learned along the way that you almost took in and said, okay, I'm getting the reins now. I mean, Wild Turkey was invaluable experience. I um, started and within two months of being there, became the only supervisor in the distillery. And so I became the senior supervisor very, very quickly. You had started since you were 15. You had more experience than everybody. I did actually get into the industry at 21, so I had been in it for a while, but I definitely got thrown into the deep end um, at Wild Turkey pretty quickly. But for me, it was it was learning how to manage such a large operation. I mean, it was six days a week, 24 hours a day. Fermenters are 30,000 gallons, and it wasn't just the distillery that we were in charge of. We were in charge of the dryer. I mean, it just it was such a huge operation. You learned how to manage chaos while maintaining quality, while maintaining, you know, your sanity and just keeping things running. We had incredibly high standards and I learned how to maintain those standards. That's awesome. I mean, I have a soft spot for wild turkey. I still think rare breed is the best. That's fantastic. I still think it's one of the best damn things on the shelf that is not allocated that you can go get for 45 bucks and it's going to be cast right you know yep it's coming in at 116.8 it's one of those i would say it's been a while since i've looked at it but that's one of those ones where i know i can get that off the shelf for 45 bucks and you know what you're getting yeah you know know it's it's gonna be good and you know wild turkey 101 is a a solid solid pour and their rye 101 is amazing oh my favorite barrel though of wild turkey is still bruce's barrel proof that is when you do a pick in, in Bonded Warehouse A, mm-hmm. there's two barrels at the end, and those are Bruce's Rise. And they'll open that up as you're leaving. Oh, and man. And you get a little bit of thief of the, the rye. And then, you know, having Cornerstone, I was like, oh, this has Bruce written all over it. That he finally got in Eddie and Mimi's head enough to say, all right, you can do it, Bruce. Like, you can finally get your rye. 
Now, when it comes to yours, what you decided to do here for Hoeing Station, which is your your first release that came out whiskey-wise, right? Right, yep. Um, it's 100 proof, 50% ABV. It's MGP, and you did 52% corn, 44% rye, 4% malted barley. Did you get to pick that recipe? That is actually our recipe, our yeast, our barrels, and we actually took Memphis water up to MGP because yes, we didn't, our, our kitchen was not ready, but we had all the ingredients to cook with. And so we used MGP's kitchen. That's actually an interesting thing that a lot of people don't always understand. And and that's one of those things that I think kind of set you guys apart. Setting things up still costs a whole bunch of money. And then a whole lot of time too. whole lot of time. And I think what people don't realize is like, you know, you could go buy a still for 400 grand, but then it's a million dollars worth of parts to connect to that still. So they're like, oh yeah, you know, you just need a loan for 400 grand to get a still and then you're good to go. And it's like, yeah, but those valves and those computers and the the, pipe, just the pipe alone. At one point we used to say how much pipe we actually had in our building. And I forget what that number was. But it's it's insane, and most of it's copper. So it's, it's like your cheap. intestine, you know. Like it's when exactly you, when what you it stretch is. out your intestine. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it, what it is. It's a mile. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Um, it is a whole hell of a lot of stuff to set up a distillery. So you guys sat there and said, "All right, you're basically running the show there." Right? Yes, absolutely. Unlike some of the other people that might just say, "Oh, you have barrels that are two years old, three years old that are aging." How detailed did MGP let you get? Were you talking like how you wanted your grains cooked and when you wanted them cooked? We controlled every aspect of it. Yeah, Yeah. that is 100% our... We controlled everything in that bottle. There's no retort for me to even (laughs) ask a (laughs) follow-up question for that because she just definitively was like, I own that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a boss. I went in. Now... You don't have to get into this, but I have to think they charge a little bit more for that than they do for the other stuff. I I don't know what they charge for the other stuff. I know what we paid, but I have no clue what a standard... Well, because you also have to think, is it really any different for them to make this versus another, you know, another mash bill and everything? I don't... Is it really different for them? As an IT guy, I would say that anything that's custom... Is it going to be a change request? Well, they also tell us we have to make a certain amount. Whether you want to make that much or not, you have to. So, And and I it's... learned that other people in the state that used MGP and they're like, yeah, you know, you can buy it, but you had to buy 25 barrels at a time. Yep. And they had certain set limits. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out between them and Bardstown Bourbon Company. And you don't have to comment on that. The whole landscape is changing yeah. within the, the world of, it, of bourbon. So I don't, you know, for so long, MGP had no competitors whatsoever because the existing distilleries were lucky to produce what they needed, let alone being able to produce for someone else. So for a place like Bardstown to come on and say, oh, yeah. ooh, we can make whatever you want. It's. I'm curious if if MGP is going to have to change their tactics. And they're so transparent. I was wearing a diapers, bottles, bourbon shirt in Bardstown Bourbon Company, and they were like, "You're those guys. Like, come back. Like, they opened the door. They were like, come back. Let me show you everything that's going on here. Oh, that's awesome. Let's go into the lab. You want to try some of our new make? Here's our 95.5 rye. But then you also see like the 18 fermenters they have or whatever. We have a couple of stills and then you see the schedule there and I find it so crazy. You know what running wild turkey and old Dominic, but like you have your schedule. You're running 24 hours a day. You only have to worry about the mash bills. Your biggest switch is probably switching from bourbon to rum. Yeah, that, yeah. at wild turkey, it was, two, it was two mash bills. That was it. And they're like, all right, well, from one to four, we're running Kentucky Owl. Uh, then we're going to have an hour to switch everything oh out. And then we're going to Jefferson's. And then we're going to James Pepper. And then, you know. Their schedule alone. That's insane. Like my biggest questions for them, and I'm not trying to divert us talking about other stuff, but it's the same thing I would have for MGP. Is like, so what's your schedule? Like, 
the logistics, like how do you remember exactly how they're doing the grain and how they're doing that? They just, it's beyond me. When it's automated, it helps because yeah. you can just build in those recipes to where there's not necessarily a whole lot of thinking that has to go into it. We've done a big diversion here. I was we talking have. about, <laughs> I was talking about hauling station and, and I like it. I feel like I need a pour here. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. How about you be a gentleman? <laughs> pour us all up. Yeah, tell me how you got into program management while I'm pouring this. Yeah, up. how did we find you, Megan? Um, on the sidewalk. <laughs> so you were using Microsoft Project, <laughs> and you were using Microsoft Excel. So actually, any any Visio skills? On no. There too? Um, this is literally a new title that has come along. So actually, I started in the industry when I was 21 as well, but I was on the retail side of things. So I managed a liquor store for like nine years. So you know where the pappy is? I have a little bit left at home, (laughs) (laughs) but that's all I know. That's (laughs) the only one that I know of. I'm just kidding. That's all that retailers got, you know, is a certain Where's the pappy? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know... I wish I had known then what I know now on certain things because looking back, we actually had, and we were a smaller store in comparison to others in Memphis, but we did have some bottles that, man, they were steals and like literally just couldn't give them away. You know, that's another thing is like just because those ones are are very sought after doesn't mean there's not a whole lot of other really good stuff out there. So, um, you know, I, I learned very early on how to drink whiskey, thankfully, um, from my boss there. The best people do. Yeah. So um, I really wanted to work in this industry for a long time, like long term, actually. And I could never get with a distributor. I believe it's fate. <laughs> because um, when wine became legal to sell in grocery stores, I really started seeing the dynamic change. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I can get with just like one company. And during that time frame, I had met Chris Canale Jr., our owner, and he was saying, oh, yeah, we're opening up a distillery. And I was just like, okay. I should, like, I, I should interject here and say that the liquor store she worked at was legitimately four doors down from where the corporate office is yeah. for our parent company. So when they <laughs> needed something to drink, they were probably oh we were yeah yeah all the time. Uh, yep. um, and that's actually where I met JB. It was very serendipitous that I worked so there for about seven at? months. It was called Quench. It was across the street from the Peabody. I don't feel like that's like a liquor store. I feel like that that's a store that's like, <laughs> you know, like, have you ever seen the movie? Um, it had Luke Wilson in it, and they were all in the future, and everybody was dumb. <gasps> Idiocracy? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my but God. What was the name of the energy drink? And I'm not trying Bra- to... Uh, Brondo? Yeah. The electrolytes, because plants, that's what plants crave. Yes. Brondo. <laughs> it's but what like, plants crave. <laughs> or or like there's a guy who's like, quit! <laughs> oh, he always says Carl's Jr. because he was getting money from Carl's Jr. So like he started panicking <laughs> and like screaming, Carl's Jr. brought to you by Carl's Jr. There like, is there is something though yeah, I don't where know. they scream quench or uh, there's something. Yeah, but like I always feel like there's a guy, like there should be a guy who's like background. going to the gym. <laughs> Who's like, quench. come to quench. <laughs> yeah. That's not what it was. It was a very, very quiet liquor store, almost like a yeah. library. Oh, really? Um, it's it, yeah, it, it, was, like. it was a very quiet, it's very quiet liquor store. Like, I don't know why I thought of like a roided out dude when I heard quench. I mean, <laughs> when you come to Memphis, I'll take you by there and you'll be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> What's the place in Chattanooga? It's like imbibe. Imbibe, yeah. 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 I feel like it's New York trickling down because mm-hmm. I used to work in New York City and there's places there like parm. And what do you get there? Oh, chicken parm. And then there's like one <laughs> that's lit. like burger. And then there's the meatball place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The meatball shop. Very, yeah, it's very right literal. By, <laughs> it's right by the Thompson Hotel in New York City, one of the Thompson hotels, but it's okay. the meatball shop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you, what do that you get there? That sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's I, really good. I, my brother lives up there and he said the same thing. He's like, it is absolutely amazing. But when I was up there last time, we just drank. 
Nick. But the names yeah. are so oh, literal. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. it's like par. You never have to question what you're walking into. Yeah. We literally went to a speakeasy that was called UES, which stands for Upper East Side. And that's exactly where it was. <laughs> it was fantastic, though. Inside of an ice cream shop. Oh, it was legit. awesome. There's one in Atlanta that's in a phone booth. Mm. I've been to that. Yeah. It was fantastic. How awesome. The phone booth was being painted when we went, so we couldn't actually access it via the phone booth. We just had to use our cell phones and call a different number. <laughs> it was really disappointing. Yeah. We'll go back. And then they time. called up and they go, new phone, who did? <laughs> So that's awesome. So you left Quench. No, I actually went back to the liquor store that I started in because he needed some help. He was kind of he was he was a little upset that I left, but I was trying to pursue a different path in my career with within the same industry. But anyways, he still appreciated me, and I was grateful for that because it I he was actually the one that got me into drinking bourbon and whiskey. So anyways, um, I started hearing about old Dominic Distillery and Mr. Canale, and I literally sent him my resume. I said, I don't know what I have to offer you, but I would love to at least, you know, get an opportunity to talk to you. And he held on to it for eight months. So when they started doing hiring, I got a call. I got an email from um, our COO and our compliance guy who were doing all the hiring. And I actually started off as a tour guide part-time tour guide and within about three, four months moved over to a supervisor position in hospitality. And within another eight months moved over into the marketing department and started doing activations. So I handle all like events related to old Dominic on site and off site. And then this past summer I was asked if I wanted to help with new product development. I get to do like the very, public facing events and get to talk about them. And then I also am doing the private things that nobody gets to know about except for us, like internally. And you know, it's, it's kind of fun it, to, to be on both, both ends of the spectrum. What I like about both of your stories though, is you're like, yeah, so I showed up and like within two months I was the boss. <laughs> like I, I just, they needed a supervisor. <laughs> we both kicked ass so much. Can I say it? I mean, it's, it's PC. Yeah. Boss bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Uh, but I, I mean, uh, that's one thing I love about working for old Dominic is our master distiller is literally the same age as me, right? But she is at such a different level and she doesn't she does not take that and hold it over anyone's head. She is the coolest chick. I really enjoy working with Alex a lot and she's someone that I look up to. I mean, I just cut my hair because of her. Oh. Okay, that's 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 bullshit right there. I, <laughs> I just I just cut it off, but everyone was like, everyone's like, oh my god, you're gonna get you're gonna get mistaken for Alex. I was like, please, no, I'm not at her um, caliber of of career by any means. I, I was am like, so jealous of her hair though, because like I used to be in bands, and if I had her haircut, you know, Alex. Your haircut would have been perfect for me. Thank you. It's, I uh, never it would have been kind of emo it. back then. Like it, I was. I'm a, I'm a, I was emo. I, I was, was emo. emo too. I was yeah. in an emo band. We we sometimes had a piano. Uh, we used to play dashboard confessional. <laughs> oh, love me some dashboard. Now that song's playing in my head. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's, <laughs> no, I I think you know being a bald man. <laughs> I think if I'm, I'm very jealous of both of your haircuts, but I, I just like Alex has that haircut of all like the emo band kids back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, that, yeah, it's very emo. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it though. It's it it suits you well. Not that you're emo, yeah. but like it just you got good hair. Well, it's easy. I, I don't spend too much time on it. And when you're in a still house where it's over a hundred degrees, it just you can't have hair that gets in the way. Absolutely. And I also should mention, I hate mentioning this just because I feel like whiskey is a great equalizer and it's never something, you know, I just had Joyce Nethery in from Jephthah Creed. The reason I bring it up is I feel like Tennessee is kicking ass opposed to Kentucky right now, 
with having queen bees in the the distillery and and yeah, you know, Kentucky's still an old, you know, good old boys club. Well, you for have, the most part. you know, Marianne just left, yep. and then you had Mictors. Pamela retire yep. from Mictors, but you know now it's Joyce, mm-hmm. and she's the only one. You have Elizabeth McCall, who's you know pretty close, but right. you don't see Chris Morris going any anywhere <laughs> anytime no. soon. Yeah, he's going to be around for a while, I think. And you know, Tennessee, I think, has three at this point. There's you, there's um, Alyssa Hensley, there's mm-hmm. Nicole at Dickle. Dickle, yep. So there's a lot of good stuff going on in Tennessee. So when you say, you know, I, I think it's HBIC is what you were referring mm-hmm. to. I'm, I'm just going to use acronyms. <laughs> um, you all are killing it. And I hate having people on and being like so you're a woman in whiskey what's that like it's like no you're a kick-ass distiller you've been working at this since you were 15 it has nothing to do with Mm -mm. what anybody's doing anyway so that that i mean that's almost the most i want to spend on that because i i hate those questions i'll say like i'm looking forward to the day that i can sit down to a panel or an interview and it's not how is it to be a female distiller? It should be, how is it to be a distiller? Yeah. And I understand right now we're breaking down barriers. It's unusual. So that's why those questions are coming up. I'm excited for the day that that's no longer a thing. My question for you is like, how have things changed even from, you know, the 13 years that you've Mm -hmm. been doing it? Or what are you thinking about mash bills? I mean, I wonder how much say did you get in the mash bill or were those also old mash bills that, that you resurrected as well. So by the time I had joined the team, the high rye bourbon mash bill had kind of been determined. Um, but I was incredibly happy with it cause I'm a rye whiskey fan. And so to have a bourbon that's 44% rye, I mean, it's almost a rye whiskey. I didn't want to touch it. I loved that idea. Um, and actually, the wheat whiskey had kind of been determined. But again, I liked the idea of something that was 83% wheat. So it was unique. Now, the Tennessee whiskey mash bill was not even talked about. So I got complete control over that product, as well as all of our other ones, the vodkas, the gins. I've had essentially carte blanche in creating those products. So I've been able to really showcase what I want to do. So what's that like being a woman and getting to showcase what what you wanted. I mean, that's, that's such <laughs> bullshit. I'm sorry. Season's eatings. <laughs> I only bring it up because I, I want to commend Tennessee is leading the way on that. I don't even know why we brought that up. I didn't even want to bring that up. But go Tennessee. That's- I was like, yeah, I want to I want to do a shout out to Tennessee. So I'm from Kentucky. I'm born and raised Kentucky. And have- were you from Florence, y'all? Oh, dear God, yes. <laughs> How I just, did you know? <laughs> yep. I do my homework. That's my exit. That is, that is my exit. Uh, but lived in Lexington, actually, for 10 years. I've been a Tennessean and a Memphian for four years now. But I think the reason Tennessee is so progressive in things like having female distillers is it is an old industry in Tennessee, but only in three counties. It was only, you know... 2009, I think, is when you were finally allowed to have distilleries outside of those three counties. So in that respect, it's an incredibly new industry for the state. And and still even the biggest pockets of distilling are in Nashville, Chattanooga, and Memphis, which are going to be your three bigger cities. Yes. Agree with you, though, that county by county thing can be make people kind of rethink things, you know? Well, because you also you have the the legality of distilling, but then when you're doing county by county, you're also dealing with things like your fire marshals and all this other stuff that in those counties, if they've never seen it before, you're adding a whole nother layer of headache to it um, to where you really have to earn it. It's supposed it's supposed g- to be a twist wax. I'm not convinced it works very well. I was gonna open this <laughs> tonight. I don't have a knife on me. I normally have a knife on me. I was going to open it tonight. Yeah, I think it's easier. The way I've been told, it is supposed to be a twist wax where you are supposed to be able to just like do this. But I've been told that scoring it might make it easier. 
Because I, I have a bottle, obviously, and I have not touched it. Oh, my. It. There you Ooh, go. Ooh, the twist wax works. <laughs> Way to go. Well, now we can open this Jimmy Hart bottle. A toast to Jimmy Hart. This there's, bottle, there's a toast on the back. This bottle of two years old Tennessee straight whiskey is crafted in celebration of the Memphis Bicentennial and the spirits that give it soul. It's 106.4 proof, 53.2 ABV. I feel like we didn't talk enough about the hoeing station, but let's talk about this for a second. Um, this is kind of our, our baby right now. So so join us in a toast to Memphis's own Jimmy Hart, whose antics as a wrestling manager earned him the nickname The Mouth of the South. Yeah, were you into wrestling at all growing up? Do you want WWE or I WWF? Mean, of course. Well, Jimmy Hart was Hulk Hogan's guy. Yes, and Jerry Lawler's. And Jerry Lawler's, yep. And, uh, and Bret Hart, right? Not, not no, so he was, much Bret he was at one point. I was a big Stone Cold Steve Austin guy. And I know that's a I little bit later. I was a heartbreak kid. Shawn Michaels oh, Shawn was Shawn Michaels. Great. I mean, as a, a young girl, I, you know, that long, luscious blonde hair, how could you not? I just love Stone Cold <laughs> gave everybody the finger. Oh, yes, and absolutely. Like, my favorite thing is just when he go in the ring and then all of a sudden it's like, who gets to kick his boss's ass yes. and give him a stunner? And of course you have the rock too and the people's oh, yeah. elbow. Remember taking that elbow pad off and oh and he did that little thing it was like the yeah uh, he always had to wave his arms in the air but we used to get in trouble growing up because i went to catholic school and the only time we would go out for recess we just wrestle each other (laughs) and then we would subsequently be in for recess for another four (laughs) days and then it would be like four days start over yeah (laughs) four days off one day off I'm lost. I I didn't. My sister actually watches it. I have no idea. So I, I have a brother who's two years older than me. So our Monday nights, it didn't matter what else was on. We were watching Monday Night Raw. HBK or were you DX? HBK. So like I did like DX too because I did like Triple H. I liked X Pac. He used to be the one two three kid. Okay. Before yep. he he was X Pac, and then you know when the NWO guys came in, and then Razor Ramon oh, who gosh. left and then came back. I'm having flashbacks from my childhood right now. <laughs> it, um, wasn't Jerry Lawler's kid? Wasn't he a part of like a, he did a duo? Yeah. And the only reason why I know that is because he actually lived. His son, not Jerry Lawler, but his son lived in the neighborhood that was connected to. My parents, where I grew up. Oh, and really? So, like whenever we like rode our bikes by it, they're like, "Oh, that's where so and so lives." But I have no idea. But there was like a like a he was two, a tag team. He was a tag yeah, team. Yeah, that, that I can't remember. I want to say Brian was in, in in the name. I could totally be making was that it, up. I I don't know. It's more of the newer stuff that I don't know as well. And that's I think he kind of fell into the newer newer realm yeah that's why i just steer clear of wrestling because i have no idea what i'm talking about i actually cut the cord you're missing out i cut the cord so i don't have cable anymore yeah we don't really either good for you stand up to those people who charge ungodly amounts for (laughs) something you can get for free online (laughs) i have netflix and i watch a shit ton of sophia the first but (laughs) but besides that and ladybug miraculous ladybug it's a french cartoon yeah i don't know that one that's cute it's a french cartoon that's dubbed into like eight other languages cool so they're they're superheroes so what what can you say in french uh do you remember muzzy that sounds familiar i don't know that one at all that's what they taught kids how to do other languages in school and there was this muzzy video and it was like je suis la gogugi (laughs) Je la jeune vie. I know bonjour, je m'appelle Jacques. Uh, comment allez-vous? Did you just have a friend's flashback? Je m'appelle mm. with Joey? No. Oh, you don't remember that one? All right. <laughs> the Mr. Beaumont? No, we we have a friend's infatuation I feel like going. Anybody, anybody who's uh, listening is like, when the hell are they going to talk about whiskey again? Look, we have to get to the important stuff. Friends, wrestling, Whatever we'll get there. We do you ever do you ever know the term jump the shark? So when a a TV show jumps the shark, it just abandons everything. And they were talking about it on John Hine, who invented jump the shark. He works on the Howard Stern show, 
and they were actually talking about it again this week because John Hunt made Jump the Shark and then he sold it to TV Guide for millions of dollars. So Jump the Shark refers to the moment in Happy Days where Fonzie jumped the shark and that's where the show went downhill. And so what jumptheshark.com, which is no longer around, what it used to do was find the show, the, the it point found in the, the show where it went downhill. <laughs> so the point for friends was when like Ross and Rachel got back together for like the eighth time. And that was the point yeah. where, where it went downhill. It was just too many breakups. I think that's when Megan stopped watching it. Yeah. 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 After like season seven, it really just got dull. And then especially when they were all requesting a million dollars an episode, it's like, what are you doing? I will say, though, that the finale, I still get choked up over. They leave the apartment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which there is no way that (laughs) she would be able to afford that apartment because none of them ever worked. First of all, none of them ever worked. Ross was like the only one that actually had a job. Chandler was a... Trans, trans, trans sponsor. <laughs> but there's no way. And it's because it was in her grandmother's name. And rent it was, control. it was, yeah, rent controlled. And it was super cheap. And I only say that because you lived in New York, right? Or you well, worked I in New York. I worked in New York. So okay. But you, you understand. Yeah. My brother, the same. Like, it's, it's expensive. Like, again, we were talking before we got, <laughs> before we were recording about, Although we're similar in age, you both don't have kids, and and I do. So the way that you analyze friends is how I analyze Paw Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wonder how Paw Patrol gets bankrolled as much as it does. Like, they have jets, and they have buses, and then all of a sudden they change, and they're going to be like... Paw Patrol, Extreme Patrol, and then they all have new outfits. And I'm like, you know, the military, a fighter jet's going to cost like $33 billion. And so they have like fighter jets and then they have smaller things. And I'm like, who the hell is bankrolling the Paw Patrol? It's like Ryder, who's this like eight-year-old kid and his puppies. So like, is this a CIA operation? Like, is the town doing it? Is he old money? Does he have a trust fund? Like, is Warren Buffett his dad? Like, how's Ryder getting this money for his dogs? And when you find that out, that's going to be jumping the shark. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. As long as they're just... Well, no. Or you could argue jumping the shark is when they changed everything eight times. Like, so when they had... Paw Patrol Extreme Patrol, and then they had Paw Patrol Sea Patrol, and then Paw Patrol Snow Patrol. It's kind of how like, Power Rangers was. Yeah. They came out with like six different time, versions, and it jumped the shark after the second one. And it's because they need more merch to sell. Yep. Yeah. So they know that they could do. Well, now there's, is it Paw Patrol Live, I think, just started? Oh, I had to go to that. I was actually about to ask if you were going, but you've already been. Is I've that, been. Is that kid Ryan selling the Paw Patrol stuff? Who? So my friend, she's got a five-year-old, and apparently there's some young kid who's like eight, less than 10 years old, who reviews toys. You can buy like a toy chest, and they're ungodly expensive, but because he said they're they're the best toys. toys. Yeah. They're Ryan-approved toys. Like, it's so bogus. I don't know. I love this podcast, by the way, because it really has nothing to do with whiskey. It has nothing to do with it. But well, I'm really it's, enjoying it. It's the conversations it. that happen while you're drinking while you're whiskey. Drinking yes. whiskey. Yeah. yeah, whiskey brings people together. I'm going to make sure I change this to be like, we quasi-talk about <laughs> Alex's career. And then... The thing is... That's why I should have never been mic'd. No, <laughs> so people want to know pretty regularly, like, oh, what's your day-to-day look, look like? What's a standard day? Well, first off, there is no standard day. Every single day is completely different. But in all honesty, this is the kind of crap that we talk about all the time. <laughs> But that's that's it, right? Like you get your work done and then you're able to hang around people that you work with and still enjoy their company and and have fun. And that's what makes just working day to day with everybody great, I mean, right? I don't know about you. I don't feel like I work very like very rarely do yeah. I feel like I work. The only time I feel like I work is when I'm like hauling 20 cases <laughs> into my car at 8:30 in the morning for 48 hours worth of drinking. 
<laughs> that was this morning. Yeah. Or dragging a, a pop-up tent in and out of a pickup truck multiple times within Up a day. Stairs. I was like, y'all, get the door. Yeah, unfortunately, every every house in Chattanooga seems to always have the steepest, most treacherous steps outside leading up to the front door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and inevitably we are having to carry so much crap, like a large tent or just yeah. boxes of heavy t-shirts up those stairs. So you got to get the cover for your pickup truck. So you can we have back it did, there. It, it did. So the tent had to go into the house because we thought we were handing it off to Andy. Oh. <laughs> and then he decided after the fact that he no longer wanted it. So then we had to haul it back down the stairs back to the truck. Could and he I, have hauled it back down? I believe I, Andy had a very late night. I made him take the trash <laughs> out of the Airbnb I was like, hey, dude, you got to take this trash out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I believe he had a a late night at one point in the morning. We were waking up one of our other colleagues, and you just hear him laughing. (laughs) Like, yeah, he's he's useless at this point. He's not going to help us with anything. It was, I was, you know, that's that's the fun thing about old Dominic. We we get to travel and have too much fun together. (laughs) Way too much fun. And, And but if you're going to work with people, you might as well work with people that you have fun with, that you Absolutely. can sit around and talk about friends with. And oh, you can, oh yeah. We wouldn't have been able to travel to, was it, five different cities or something like that in six weeks together if we didn't get along. Oh, yeah. She Lots would, of miles in the car together. Yes, miles and flights. And I mean, I... She doesn't fly very well. I, uh, <laughs> but see, that's what old Dominic is for. So... Pro tip, and I just said this on a recent show, you order one whiskey from the plane, whatever it is, because they frown upon you pouring your own samples. Yes. But then you bring some you know, sample bottles out with you, and, and you go down by your leg, and after you already order the one, you refill your own drink. And then they just don't know because you already have like, you know, the wild the turkey one on one there. If you're on Southwest, you know, you just... Oh. The problem is we literally touched down in New York and had to hit the ground running for events to where I'm not sure consuming multiple whiskeys on a flight was... She just needs two because she just needs enough. It's... Do you Take all, off the edge. Do you all golf ever? Oh, Lord, no. Yes, I will sit in a car and get <laughs> drunk and drive people around or just go find Well, balls. no, you don't drink and drive. It's okay. We we are responsible drivers yes. even when oh, it comes sorry. to golfing. Oh, okay. I don't golf then at all, period. <laughs> so I'm a firm believer that you got to get a couple of drinks just because if you try to swing too hard... You think too much about it. You're not going to hit the ball well. You just need enough to Loosen slow down it. your swing. I'm I'm not that horrible of a flyer. It's just more or less like when I hit turbulence, I'm like, oh, okay. Which I'm not a big fan of. We what? hit turbulence. Yeah, and I tell you what, when we landed, I needed <laughs> about three whiskeys after that. I was like, good lord, this is this no, is intense. That was a, that was a terrible. So landing. all you need to worry about next time you fly, all you need to worry about is. Were the flight attendants seated or standing? <laughs> and why is that? Because when the pilot says, sit your <laughs> ass down, then you can worry about the turbulence. Gosh. But if they're still giving out drinks and you're hitting bumps, you're, good. you're fine. You tell them to tell me that. Yeah. Like, just, you got to read the cues. Like, <laughs> look, when you're starting to get worried, look for the people that work there. Like, if I was at the distillery and all of a sudden some <laughs> valve started going like, I'd look at Alex and I'd be like, if she thinks it's cool, I think it's cool. That's right. But I haven't seen that panic button get pushed yet. I hide it incredibly well. Tell me about <laughs> this toast to Jimmy Hart because this is a two-year. Oh, yeah, let's. Yeah. It's a two-year high so rise. This is the, actually the Tennessee whiskey. So the mash bill is 75% corn, 13% rye, and 12% malted barley. So it's not your weeded Tennessee whiskey. It's just the this regular. This is our Tennessee, just our regular Tennessee whiskey. So we actually, our wheat is just a wheat whiskey. It's not even a wheat at Tennessee. So this is a completely different mash bill. But this uh, is charcoal filtered because it it's is. Tennessee. Yes. So this was two years old. Normally I would not be one to release a, a whiskey when it's young. But 
given the fact it's Memphis's 200th birthday, it just, it kind of called for a special product. I don't get the citrus. Uh, you know, normally something two years old, I get a lot of citrus. Some people get like buttered popcorn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't get any of that. It's not coming across to me like, oh, this is super young. I don't know how the hell you did that. I honestly have been incredibly, incredibly surprised by how everything is aged in Memphis because it, I'm with you. I, this is not what I expected when we decided to do a barrel at two years, but we've, we've had a couple, what you would call honey barrels that just have excelled in that terrific Memphis humidity. And are you finding different ways? Because what's your Rick like? So we actually palletize everything. So we are a small production team. Up until a couple months ago, I was making do with three production assistants, four production assistants, to where the idea of having to roll barrels, just we don't have the manpower for it. Plus, coming from Kentucky, I saw like the back injuries and things that took place yeah. in, in that method. And I just, we I didn't want to mess with it. And also... Insurance sucks. Uh, terrible. It's terrible. I constantly have to go through insurance surveys. I've also seen the studies where they've tried to do blind tastings of rick houses versus palletized and how people are not actually able, like some of the best in the industry, are not able to detect the difference between the two styles. Yeah. So I can literally put four empty barrels on a pallet, strap them together, and never have to touch them again and never have to put an employee at risk and still have a product that comes out tasting incredibly well. But I also feel like the building makeup matters almost more if it's on its side or if it's on, you know, so you guys, this is 106 proof. Did you proof this down at all or is this? So we went into the barrel at 110 proof. Okay. So we kind of go a lower proof, but a lot of what determines your, final proof what comes out of the barrel is going to be actually i've learned um humidity so you have alcohol soluble you have air soluble water soluble all that kind of stuff and memphis i thought i knew humidity coming from kentucky and memphis has whooped my butt (laughs) Uh, it is terrible yeah but it means that we are actually losing more alcohol than water well and also i was talking to greg metz about MGP mm-hmm. and the fact that they have, you know, a cement building that they are storing all the, the whiskey yeah, in. Yeah, their warehouses are interesting. They're losing proof over time opposed to gaining proof. So, you know, as the longer that it's going to spend time mm-hmm. in Indiana, the the lower the proof is going to be. But if you were to be in a wooden rickhouse, you might gain some proof actually having the air go through right. and, and some of that other stuff in there. So um, that's why you'll see a lot of these 12-year MGPs that are like 98 proof right? because they, they were sitting in Indiana longer. I, to me, whether you gain proof or lose proof, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but ultimately for me, it's just... Does it taste good? Exactly. That's, yeah. I don't honestly care what the proof is on the liquid as long as it's enjoyable. This is... Man, I can't believe this is two years old. I'm I'm still I, I know you can't probably get this bottle anywhere anymore. I'm sure it's sold. We out. actually do still have some available. Um we've been trying to control it, trying to make sure we can make the supply last through the entire bicentennial, so the whole year. So Memphis celebrated its bicentennial and May, May 22nd, (laughs) getting my dates confused, but Shelby County, the county in which Memphis is located, celebrates its bicentennial in November. And so it is really a year long celebration. So we've actually been slowly releasing the product. Um, So there is still some, it is only available in our gift shop. So you have to drive to Memphis. I mean, you didn't, you didn't have to drive to Memphis, but no, it sounds like I need to go back down and get another <laughs> bottle. I mean, how much is this retailing for? Do you want- um, It is currently retailing for $200 a bottle. So if you look at the bottle. For the, man, if you, you brought look, this down for us? You should, yeah. But if you, you know, if you look at the bottle, like I said, we did 200 bottles commemorating 200 Memphians. Every single bottle has all 200 names etched around the outside of the bottle. 
Each label is letter pressed. And you um, can using see a, it right a there. hot was it I, th- I believe it's like a hot print or it was a technique I've never heard of. Our designer was thrilled about on the labels, um, and then of course dipped in wax. Each one comes with a commemorative um, twist lapel wax. pin, twist wax, of course. But then you have the the tr- Nico TriStar lapel pin, and it was a fun project. So is that the rooster's name, Nico? Yes. Yeah, so we have a mascot. It is a Dominica rooster. And on one of the original pre-prohibition bottles of the Dominic Toddy that we still have, there were two roosters. And someone pointed out to us that they were Dominicker roosters. So all Dominic, Dominicker. Um, We decided there was something kind of cool about that. And so we kind of made him look a little cooler than he did back back then. Um, But then we we decided he needed a name as well. And so we, we call him Nico. Going back to this two-year-old, the Bicentennial Whiskey, I can't believe it is your Tennessee Whiskey. I can't believe... I'm not even giving proper notes, as I should for this one, and I'll have to come back to it. Oh, you have a whole bottle, so... But it's one of those things where I'm just so amazed at... Like, I get a little bit of corn in there, but it's not a whole bunch of corn. It's a very accessible whiskey. It's an easy drinker at 106 Mm -hmm. proof. Just my hat's off to you and and how you actually made that. And if that's what you're doing at two years old. And I appreciate the fact that as a distiller, you're like, I didn't want to release it at two years old. This was a, I think there's too many distilleries that will rush to put something out. Absolutely. Young. Because they have to pay the bills or whatever they're going to do. And you're being cautious. And yes, it's a bicentennial. It's a special case. Absolutely. That is making you actually release it. What is going to be the deal with the hulling station? If you think about it, the way that you're distilling it now, and you went to MGP, but they did what you wanted them to do. It's not right. like you picked one of their mash bills. Eventually, will you just kind of take that back over? You'll still have that line, and it will just come from old Dominic? That is honestly something that we continue to go back and forth on as a team. Um, because it is a brand that is doing incredibly well right now. And so it's hard to imagine it going away. But we also acknowledge that all of our state produced, we need to give it its due diligence and give it its own runway. Um, so there's a, a chance that Hewling Station could be around. Oh, I... I, I you're fine. You're Hewling Everyone's... Station. Yeah, it's Hewling Station. But, Damn um, it. <laughs> To where it could be around, but at the same time, we may decide that it's it has a, a shelf life and will eventually go away. My vote is to change the label and put the pronunciation guide <laughs> on it. With and I always hate it because everyone always mispronounces it. I've heard it so many different ways, and I never like. I don't ever want to correct someone on how no, to say please, it. But. Please, if I'm going to be sitting here like a jackass <laughs> on a podcast for an hour and a half and you're not going to so correct So the only me. reason I know the pronunciation is um, the story with Hewling Station is that is actually, it was a building in downtown Memphis and that was the building where Dominico used to actually bottle Old Dominic whiskey. And so this whole line was to pay homage to the founder of our whiskey line. I always like the name, like, Dominico Canali. It is a good name. It's a good name. I feel like he just was a badass in his life. Like, that's... I I think so. Yeah. He he left Italy when he was 16 and crossed the ocean to come to America for a better life. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. Mm Mm-hmm. And just like Alex Castle at 15 (laughs) decided to become a distiller and have a better life and make everybody's life better through whiskey. So we don't know what you're going to do with the Hewling Station. We know that you have a weeded whiskey that is is on the way. Right. Your Tennessee whiskey that's on the way. And you have a high rye bourbon that's on the way. How these things come out, when they come out, you still probably have two, three years. Yeah, we're looking at at least two years for the Tennessee at this point. I think it's going to be good. I hope so. It's a little nerve-wracking. I hope you come back many times to give us updates and let us know how you're you're doing along the way. And 
I can't wait to get down to Memphis and spend some time with you down at the distillery. But Alex, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I'm not looking forward to the editing process. <laughs> of this one. Uh, normally, we have a quicker turnaround. I'd say expect this to be a couple weeks. It, sh- it should be at least entertaining. Yeah. While oh, you're it will editing. be. It was great. It was. <laughs> but please, please come back. You guys have an open door anytime you want thank to you. come. Where can the folks find old Dominic? And, you know, I know you're on the grams, you're on Twitter's. No, no, we we actually don't really utilize Twitter. Nor does the bourbon community. Exactly. So Instagram at old Dominic. And then we also have Facebook too. Um, So old Dominic distillery, our website, olddominic.com. And how many states are you all in now? Uh, we are in Tennessee, Mississippi, Missouri, Georgia, California, New York, Arkansas, Arkansas, and Wyoming, and Texas. I think that's no all. wonder why you're on planes going <laughs> around everywhere. But. And also on the social media, um, I have my own uh, Instagram that you can follow me. A little more behind the scenes look than what the Old Dominic page does, and that is at Memphis Distiller. Perfect. Well, thank you guys again. You can find the dads on Facebook at Dads Drinking Bourbon, Instagram at Dads Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, whatever it is, we are on it. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. You can also find us here in Nashville, Tennessee, and hopefully hang in with Alex and Megan next time they come into town. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.